The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 143 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I am Dan Alamano, the noise of the North, recording from the legendary Boathouse Studio on Lake Sawyer. Oh, man, if this place could talk, can you imagine the stories that it could tell? Well, the good news is that you don't have to imagine because we're bringing it straight to you in a fresh, genuine dose of audio sunshine guys i know last episode i may have gotten a little carried away when i was talking about how important five star reviews were to the success of this podcast so for this episode i'll keep it short and sweet if you guys haven't left us a review on itunes or apple podcast Please do your selfless act for the day and give us a five-star review. Remember, helping others is the best way to help ourselves. I also want to remind you all that in addition to listening to the Golden Mike podcast, please share all 143 episodes. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast. We're also on so many different podcast listening applications for Android devices, so you can listen there also. SoundCloud and our website, noiseofthenorth.com. You know, I've been pretty active on social media lately too, so go ahead and follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow my Instagram, me personally, at Dano T Mano, and the T stands for the in the words of Rodrigo, but that's where the magic's at, my friends. Those are great places to connect with me and to watch me post my ski runs, my disco runs, my shreds. You might even get a glimpse of our brand new kitten, Pedro Flores. I do hope everyone enjoyed the last episode of the podcast with Dave A.V. I know I got a lot of great feedback from that one, and I'm looking to keep that positive energy going and flowing with my guest today, none other than the number one ranked wake surfer in the entire world, Sean Silveira. Sean stopped by the Boathouse studio on a gorgeous Florida day, although every day here in Florida is gorgeous except for that one or two hour period when it rains uncontrollably, which I like to call nap time. For those of you who aren't familiar with Sean's entire body of work, he is one of the most prolific flowboarders or standing wave riders and wake surfers on the planet today. He's currently the number one ranked wake surfer in the world by the CWSA and the Pro Wake Surf Tour. And just a few weeks ago, he was able to back up his two overall Supra Pro Wake Surf Tour titles 
with a victory at stop number one of the season, and I was lucky enough to call his runs too, as this year the Supra PWT has gone digital. ProWakeboardTour.com is where that can be seen and heard. But I've known Sean for a long time before that. I remember when he was a teenager, just a kid coming into performance ski and surf, and OWC when I worked over there trying to get us to sponsor him with a job or whatever. Now he's got his own impressive list of sponsors and brands are lining up out the door just to give him their products all day long. I'm scrolling through his Instagram right now at Sean Silveira, and I see that our friends at Roswell Marine also just hooked him up with a set of their world-famous R1 Pro Tower speakers. If you're looking to ride in style like Sean, go ahead and visit roswellmarine.com to check out their entire selection of tower accessories, marine audio, board racks. Roswell's motto is quality without compromise no matter what. Right now, I'm sure everyone could use a little more reliability in their lives, and there's no better feeling than opening up a package from Roswell Marine and knowing it's going to perform reliably from the moment you install it. Whatever you're looking for, be sure to use the dealer search function on their website to find the closest dealer to you. The website is www dot roswellmarine.com r-o-s-w-e-l-l marine.com all right all right everyone without further ado let's get into it oh yeah here he is sean silvera on the golden mike podcast it is a whole new ball game it's a digital season yeah um i i did i i won um 2018 and 2019 so i am defending uh two time in a row pwt champion and uh it uh, it was a little stressful. I'm not gonna lie. This digital thing got all of us a little rattled. And um, as far as the pandemic goes, it is a, a very bad time, very bad timing for this to happen. And uh, com- com- competitive wise, uh, competitive wise, yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people were stressing over it. But in the end, it it turned out better than expected. I mean, you could go out there and you could spend as much time as you wanted, land everything as clean as you wanted, land everything as big as you wanted, um, get all the, the banger tricks in your run and, uh, and then turn it in. And that was probably most, the most rewarding thing that, uh, that came about from the digital, um, aspect of the contest and, uh, coming out with the win was, (laughs) Not only the best feeling in the world, but uh, um, it just it made the week, and and my roommate as well won too. So who's your uh, roommate? Nick Rappa. Okay, uh, cool. Won the wakeboard, and uh, and I won. So I called him, and I was like, "Hey, dude, uh, yeah, I just found out that I won. Congratulations, you won too." And he was like, "Yeah, dude, I found out you won too." So it was pretty cool. Um, so we got to share that together, and uh, and yeah, it was it was a fantastic. Ending to a stressful time. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about this this digital event because I think the um, I I think the format is really cool. It's you, each wake surfer gets two lines for the for the digital super of PWT and um, they get two lines and then there's six tricks in each line. Um, plus, a lot of times in wake surfing, there's little tricks that you do in between tricks. And they aren't going to count those. Those are kind of um, setup tricks or transitional maneuvers. Um, and then between semifinals and finals, there's like some rules where you can only copy so many tricks, right? Right. So uh, in if you get through the semis into the finals, you have to take 
six different tricks and apply it to one of those lines. So basically, um, it's a thought process. I mean, you really got to analyze it. I, you know, what I did for myself, which made it easy was, is to go out there, film 10 lines and watch them all and pick the best ones and make sure that each one had different tricks in it. Um, and so that's the way I went about looking at my runs and making sure that, you know, here in the finals, I had two different tricks in my backside line than I did in the semis. And then, you know, five different tricks in, um, my, my, uh, my forehand runs. So. What I liked about watching you is that you did a lot of like, uh, backside wake surfing in your run. And I feel like you, you had no choice but to go out and do things a little bit more high risk. So I, I was lucky enough, um, for the super PWT this year to announce the, the qualifying round as well as the semifinal round for the first stop. And, um, and the finals for, for pro, but what I found so interesting for you and even on the wakeboard side, but more interesting on the wake surf side is there's some names and yeah, you probably have heard of them, but these are guys who are up and coming and they are also guys that don't live here in Florida. And first of all, you're not standing there on the dock. You, you, you don't get to watch what they do before you. So even though you are coming in as the highest ranked rider, you don't have the, um, the option um, that you have at a normal contest where you get to sit back. So you really had to throw it all out there. But the fact of the matter is those guys, they're not telling you what they're doing. So how, how does that kind of fit into the whole entire mentality of it all? Um, you know, those guys, they're, they're so good and they're so young. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the Swanson. brothers. Yeah. I'm talking about Swanson's. I'm talking about Tyler Stewart. Um, all those guys, they're under the age of 17. So, um, and we how all old are know, you? I'm 31. So we all know that in a sport, you know, there's a time when there's a guy that's on top and then there's a time when there's the smaller guys that come in and they're just like, bing, bang, boom. They land everything and they don't fall. They got the most energy. They don't have sore bones or sore muscles or anything like that, which I can't even get out of bed sometimes because, you know, I'm getting old, but I try not to think about that and uh, I just try to go out there and I know from watching them on, on social media, this is how social media is such a powerful thing for us riders, especially in like this digital world time and pandemic time that you can go online and you can watch what they do and you can get a, a an understanding of what they're going to put in their line and then you can go and you can change and be different from what they're doing. Even though I know from a trick aspect, I can't do most of the things that, that the Swansons are doing, but I know that I can go bigger than them. And I know that I can do different things that they can't do. Well, so and that's, that's the thing. And when it, when it comes to judging and I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're looking for at the PWT, but me personally, I will say this as the announcer guy, um, it was very, very difficult for me. And I'm probably guessing that I probably got a few tricks wrong and, and it is what it is. You can't, not everybody can be perfect every single time, but, um, also I'm subjectively calling what I see mm -hmm. now. There was like, there's guys who go out there and when they do a three shove, you can tell there's a start from mm -hmm. the moment that board comes out of the water until it leaves their feet, spins a 360, comes back underneath their feet and hits the water. And that's a three shove. But also now I can go out and three shove, but you won't even be able to put a slice of American cheese underneath my board if you catch my drift, right, you know? Right. So exactly. there, there is a, there is a difference. 
And um, what I really liked about the, the this new style, the PWT with this digital thing is I feel like it was a little bit more about the quality over quantity. And I see in a lot of um, wake surf events that a lot of times it just goes into combos, combos, combos. And and I don't want to, I'm not, I promise I'm not talking down about it because I, and I'm, I'm a trick skier, but also I see something similar in trick skiing where a lot of times um, the judges aren't necessarily worried about how clean the trick is. It's just about getting the points, getting the trick done. And a lot of times you can set yourself into a position on a trick where like if, if you actually know what you're looking at, you're, you're slightly bailing out. And I say that like sometimes somebody – you look at like a John Ackerman and almost – what I love about watching John Ackerman is that there's a start to every trick and a finish to every trick. And when he does slide out on something, you know, it, it hurts him. He's not there sitting there trying to pretend like he did a right. 720. You know, if he if he was going for for a 540 and only did a three in the air or something like that, you did a you did a big air 540, legit, completely out of the water. Mm. But I know there's people who are doing those, um, you know, those air fives or or LU 540 maneuvers, and they're not right. But they want them to be counted as as that trick, and I, I, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to for the judges. It's it's. Uh, it's just a learning process. I think, you know, these guys, dude, they're so young. Like they have no experience. Like I have 15 years of experience in competing. I know how to read a competitor. I know I've been through that. You know, I've won six world championships in flowboarding. Um, and you know, I did that by being good at competing and being strategic, being, um, aware of what my competitors were throwing so I could be different than them. And that's how you come out on top. Absolutely. Well, well let's, let's actually get some retrospective on the entire, on the, the like your entire career because, um, so, well, first of all, I'll start on this. I met you, um, probably, I started working at performance ski and surf in 2003. I was 13. You were 13 years old. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I knew you because I feel like you were like a cable kid. Were, you were a cable yeah, kid, right? Yeah, I went, so I was one of those kids that when it opened, it was kind of like a van skate park thing. When it opened, I was there, and um, I really kind of clicked with um, what were you? What Clayton. were you there? What were you there doing, though? Um, I was, I did a lot of the camps, so Clay and... Um, Clay Fletcher. And Mike. Mike, they were my uh, Mike O'Connor, Mike, Mike Connor, Mike Connor, yeah, Mike Connor, yeah, and he, dude, those guys like took me under their wing, and I did the summer camps with them, and it was a blast. Like you participated, yeah. in them, or you were you coaching? No, them? I was, I was there learning from them and having a good time, and I really liked wakeboarding. I really liked the cable, and shoot, man, I got older. I was hitting. I got a six month pass or whatever it was, and I was there every day after school. Do you have aspirations as a kid? Like, do you want to be a pro? Do you, are you looking to be a pro surfer, yes. skater, Absolutely. wakeboarder, any of these things? Absolutely. I, that was my dream. I mean, ever since I picked up a skateboard, I wanted to be a professional athlete. And so um, that's all I thought about. And uh, I really have spent my whole entire life trying to do that. So I'm One, at a point where it's kind of, it's kind of a reality and uh and i just keep on keeping on trying to push through you were the best in the world six times in the world and five times in the nation from what i've read um at flow riding um tell me and tell us what flow riding is 
um, and then how you got involved in flow riding and also if there's a significance to flow riding in central Florida in general. Um, let's start with how I got into it. Uh, I, I was, you know, one day after high school, senior in high school, me and my friends went to the mall, Florida mall. We saw a sign that said, it had this picture of these dudes like surfing on this machine and I was just like, whoa, dude. Well, that looks wait, good. first tell us a little bit about what the machine is, what okay, the Flow Rider so is. Basically, Flow Rider is, um, it's a pool, so it's hollow. They dig out a hole, they lay concrete in the shape of like a square and it goes up like this and it has a suspended service over it. So it fills up with water. They put a pump that's submersible in the water and it sucks in, um, actually more gallons of water per minute than it has in the tank. So say a single flow rider, single engine has 15,000 gallons. It'll suck 18,000 gallons in a minute and shoot it out over this suspended surface, kind of like a trampoline um, at three inches thick. And you can take this certain med made board that uh, looks like a wake skate, but it's skinnier. It's a, con a combination of a wake skate and a skateboard. Uh, Wait, so you basically... Are you are you, turn around here and tell me, are you looking at about 50 of them right now? Yeah. It's called so, a trick ski. <laughs> it's kind of like a trick ski, but uh, it's a little wider than a trick ski, a little longer, um, but the same thinness of rail. And uh, I think uh, I think that... What are some other names for flo for, for it also, like flowboarding? What, what do people know it as? I think they know it more as like the flow rider because it's an attraction you know it's sold in a lot of water parks um on the cruise ships it's just to attract people to do something that they've never done before um while staying excuse me safe at it's the, the same it's time. the standing wave right the standing, standing wave. wave right okay so now let's get into so so now we know what it's all about um tell us tell us how you how you got into it okay um so like I was saying before, uh, we we were uh, just seniors in high school. We went to the Florida Mall. We saw a sign. We saw some guys on this picture. They were surfing um, on this wave, and we were like, "Oh man, that like looks exactly like something we would do." So uh, it opened up the next day, and so I was like, "Dude, we should come back and try it." And so we went back and we tried it, and it was like, we were like, "Whoa!" Got instantly hooked on it, um, and. One, from there, I I literally was at that place every day. It was like the cable all over again. Did you like, now? Did you work there, or did I just see you there every day? I I was there every day for two months. Then the shop had a contest worth like two thousand dollars, and I was like, by that time, I was already doing like kickflips and backside flips and all that stuff, and uh, and I was like, dude, I I mean, I'm gonna enter this. I entered it. I won. It was like on this television show that they had that was on Fuel TV, I think, or something like that. And uh, and from there, they gave me a job. Finally, they wouldn't give me a job, but they gave me a job, and I worked there for three years or something like that as an instructor. So basically, I would go sit in that tank and teach people how to to ride the flow rider, and and I would ride myself. So I was getting probably about, I'd say. During school season, I was getting probably about four to six hours of training a day. Now, who else in the world is train like get who else gets to ride? What's the what's the flow rider scene like? Uh, flow rider scene, it's pretty small. Um, we all you know, we all wish it was bigger, just like 
all of our other industries, but um, it didn't really catch on. It, it felt like it was catching on and more and more people were competing and um, a lot more people were learning how to do the flip tricks um, that have never been on a board before, which is pretty um, pretty insane if you think about it because most of these people come from other sports that are similar and they already have that skill. Um, but most of the people in the pro category have none of that skill and they just teach themselves how to do it. They watch videos of someone else doing it and they, and they learn how to do that. What was it? How, how did it get so easy for you? Uh, I just, it came from the skateboarding thing, man. Like all of this, the flip tricks and everything felt like I was skateboarding on flat ground. Uh, there's just a little bit of transition, um, but you could do stuff in the flats. You could do stuff up on the wave. Um, but as far as like tricks go, everything was the same. It was exactly like the transition from flowboarding to wake surfing. Everything was the same except for the transition. I had to learn how to shift my weight. And as soon as I did that, it was game over. Dude, you grew up here in central Florida and I know you spent a lot of time around the lakes but one thing that you you didn't have was like your very own boat, right? So tell tell us a little bit. You've linked up with Super Boats. Not only are you the two-time Super Boats uh, PWT uh, Pro Wake Surf champion, now you're on the team. Talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah, um, I got on the team in 2018, and um, it's been so cool to uh, to hang with the team members and get to ride behind their boats and uh see what they do because most of them are wakeboarders and it's really cool to watch them ride and push the limits um i did recently get my very own sa 550 and um in part with uh x insurance um they purchased the boat for me um so I really um, so that so that means you don't so that means you like normally like a lot of sponsored riders will get a boat but then that boat has to go back to the factory so you get a boat and you get yeah yeah so normally it's a rental um, basically they cycle rentals around the team Um, but I think you know it's I think it's more of like a newcomer thing all those guys have been on the team for a while and um, you know I get they they've worked hard and they put in the work and they're, they're all, uh, very successful. And, and, uh, I don't understand how they cycle the boats. Um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, on the radar, uh, for me to get one. So I had to, you know, figure out another way because that was one of my goals was to have my own boat so I could, you know, train and, and not have to rely on someone else. What are some of the characteristics that like your boat has that you, that you dig about it? Um, I love the double screen. So there's one big screen in the front and then there's one big screen on the side that has all your, um, your wake surf gadgets and your plates and your, what side you want to surf, your ballast. Uh, it's very user friendly. Um, I like the tower camera. That's one of my favorite things because don't and I don't have to have a mirror and I don't have to like fold it down every time I put on the cover. So it's one thing that I have to worry about less. And um, I really, really like uh, the new color that they came out with this year, which was the concrete gray. And that's what my boat is. It's all concrete gray and gray interior with a little red accent. It's lit. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also noticed you have a... Uh, 
I saw, I saw a video that um, you posted. You went live the other day. It was pretty cool. You were letting people call your tricks, and then all of a sudden you turned the camera around, and there's Matt Manzari yeah. <laughs> riding with you. How, do you. how did you link up with, like, uh, well. Dude, I've known Matt since I was 16, maybe even 15. Um, we rode the flow rider a lot together. We hung out a lot together. He took me wake skating sometimes because um, him and Nick Taylor were really good friends, and so I hung out with those guys a lot. And he's my neighbor, so he lives right on Mineola, and he always wants to ride. And it's hard to find someone that always wants to go out. And so I've been riding with him a lot. Like, uh, probably, like, when I first moved out to Claremont, we were riding, like, two to three times a week together. I would I would guess that ride with a guy like Matt Manzari just pushes you to be better. Dude, yeah. Like, when I go out with him, most of the time it's just me and him. And, I, like, I can really, like, focus on landing, like, new tricks because that's kind of my mentality is I want to go out there and do something that's never been done because that's what people like to see. And that's, you know, like, when you do something like that, that's when people are like, oh, man, this guy is rad. I want to follow him on social media. I want to see what he's going to do next. And so... That was with, dude, the same thing with the flow rider. I would go out there and try to do something I've never done before. And every time that that happens, it's it's another stepping stone in the right direction. People are like, dude, how'd you do that? What was that? Like, they don't even know what the heck it's called. And, uh, and then it gets the other guys, like, into it. And then they start doing it. And it's just like a back and forth thing. And that's how um, people get better. So. It's it's the circle, my friend, the circle of shred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about you as far as your status goes at this point? Are you still just a dude who's like making his way? Like, are you just some amateur guy or at this point or is it like, hey, what's up? This dude is here. He's for real and watch out. Yeah. I mean, I, I do dabble still in, in the flowboard and I still ride and I still, you know, show up to comps and. I judge, I, you know, I show my support for it. I know it doesn't help me do anything, but I do have a passion for it and I do like to support it. Um, so I'll show up, I'll do the contest, I'll judge, I'll help out. Um, but, uh, as far as, you know, competing in it, um, a lot like I used to, I don't do that. I'm more focused on the wake surfing uh, part of my life. But were you able to make any kind of living out of flowboarding? Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a living. I I think it really changed when the new venue in Kissimmee opened. I had a huge contract with them, like one of the biggest one in flowboarding ever. Um, so that really like opened up my eyes. It was like, whoa, dude, this is like uh, this is monumental. Like no one is getting this. It was huge. It was a huge contract for two years and I was basically doing what I wanted to do. I was getting paid per month enough to pay rent and enough to, you know, whatever, whatever. What do young kids do when they get a lot of money? You know, they party. I was 22. I partied a lot. I had cool roommates that also lived the lake life a lot of their lives. So they showed me a lot about the lake life. We lived on Holden. We had boats. We did whatever we wanted. And, uh, and yeah, it was all because of, you know, my skill that someone found that could be helpful for their business. And that's what a professional athlete is. And I feel like that really made me realize that this was a thing that I was going to do. And, and I kept just pushing from there and 
through flowboarding, I traveled so many places before I was 18. It was insane. I mean, I was going to Asia, I was going to Ireland, going to freaking Africa. It was crazy. Let's talk about it. Getting into it. Um, you'd obviously wake surfed before you started doing it competitively. I mean, I'm, I can only assume that you probably have been wake surfing since the way we know of it today. It started, which would probably be around like the early two thousands. Yeah. I mean, I tried it, you know, I, it was, it was not a competitive thing for me. It was more of a, Oh dude, let's go like try to surf behind the boat. It wasn't like go to the rope. It wasn't like, it that. wasn't a competitive thing at all it it was not yeah it was not like 15 years ago no it was just a, like some of those boys like parks and them just took out regular surfboards and ripped around were you surprised to find out that there was such a competitive um um like community of wake surfers yeah. out there yeah i mean i knew about the flegal brothers uh when i started and i was watching videos of noah yeah he was he was a he was kind of a, I would say he's, he's young, but he was kind of like an inspo to like me getting into it. Cause I was like watching his videos, like, dude, like when he landed the first like 540 air, I was just like, what the flip dude, this kid is insane. Like those guys got so much talent and, and kind of like when you see someone with the most raw talent you've ever seen, like he could do anything on any type of board ever. And I started thinking about myself, like, and I would guess that you probably also collaborated a little or got to ride with him at the flow rider too. I'm yeah. Sure yeah. A bunch of those guys, man, when I was working over there, like I met Nick Taylor, I met Matt Manzari, I met, you know, parks, Eric, Danny was a big guy. Danny is a super nice guy. And he always came in. He always talked to me. We always like chatted when we were riding and, those guys came in, I mean, like three to four times a week to ride the flow rider. It was crazy. It was more like a cross training mechanism. Sean O'Brien brought his camps there. It was mad pros everywhere. It was crazy. And I was like so young and it's just like cool to meet all these guys. And, uh, Drew Daniela was a big one too. I was like, you know, I was always like, Hey man, take me wake surfing. Well, it's, it's insane because, <laughs> because as you, as you like become, you know, and, and it kind of, it, for wake surfing too, it quickly happened for you, but in a way you already had your foot in the door. You right. already knew a lot right. of these players. Right. Um, were they surprised to see how quickly you showed up on the scene and how fast you were able to take over? I think so. I, I, I think a lot of people were a little nervous that I picked up a wake surfer, especially like Parker Payne. Cause he's, he also rode the flow rider. That's how I met him. So he knew what I could do on a flow rider and I went to his house one time and, and I was like, Hey man, I want to, you know, try and go pro wake surfing. And he's like, I was like, what should I do? And how should I do it? And I went on his boat and he, he told his dad that day, I think is like, Oh gosh, we're, we're, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> Sean's picked up a wake surfboard and, uh, it was kind of like a joke, but he, he kind of helped me a lot too. Uh, when I was out in Texas, I rode with him and, and, uh, I think it was just, it was just a match made in heaven. I think man, like, Hey guys, quick break and a quick pop quiz. What are the three pillars of the wake responsibly initiative? You guys should have them memorized by now, but just in case you need a little help, they are minimized repetitive passes on any one shoreline. Keep music at a reasonable level and stay at least 200 feet away from the shoreline. It's simple and easy and everyone should be doing it. 
boat riders and surfers, even water skiers, we are all responsible for our own wakes. We got to embrace the three pillars and make the water safer for everyone. While I have you here, I also want to see more Coast Guard approved life jackets out there on the water. Why not, my friends? In fact, I would love it if all my listeners were wake responsibly ambassadors on their respective lakes. And if you guys are interested in doing that, head on over to wakeresponsibly.com and learn more. You're obviously passionate about wake surfing, but like, let's just say there was no such thing as wake surf competitions. Do you think that you'd be sitting here today with the same passion? Um, you know what? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think I have a passion for the action sports industry as a whole. So if it wasn't competitive, I don't think that would affect my passion at all. I think I would still love to do it. Um, I would just have a different career, you know, I would, it would be more of a hobby. Right. Right. Well, so how much, okay. Going back to when you first started, how long was it from the time you were like, Hmm, maybe I could compete. And you started wake surfing to the day you started competing. I think at the end of 2016, my friends from Borders Mag, Danny Brat and Sean Rivas were like, dude, there's a contest. I was working for Flowrider in Texas. They were like, dude, fly to this place in Texas. There's a contest. You should do it. And I went out on the boat like later that night and I practiced like I was practicing my big spins and my shoves and stuff. <laughs> and and I flew out to the contest and I and I won it. But, you know, it was it was a outlaw event. So the level below pro and I saw some of the guys there that were, were riding in pro and Aaron Witherell and um, a couple of the other guys. And I looked at it and at first I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can, you know, compete against this guy. You know, he's, he's got some skills. And then I was like, no, nah, it's cool. I can do it. I got to go home and I got to practice. So the first thing I thought about was moving back home. I was like, I got to go to Orlando cause that's where, everyone does wake. So it's the wake Mecca of the world. If I go there, I can get hours and hours of boat time. And that's what I need. That's what I needed to put my foot, my mark on this sport. I knew it. I knew that I had to ride two to three hours a day to get the tricks down, to land them clean, to figure out the switch, to figure out backside, to do all that stuff. Was, was it that, first of all, was it that easy? Because like, don't get me wrong. It is much easier, I would I would say, down in Central Florida to find a pool than, hey, maybe, yeah, obviously in Texas or whatever, whatever. But at the same time, you still need people to say yes. And you just said something. You just said, I need to practice three to four hours a day. That means you need somebody to drive for you three to four hours a day. And um, I don't know what you know about show skiing or swivel skiing, but that swivel skiing or trick skiing in general, but they say these are the um, the disciplines that take 10,000 falls to master. Well, then wake surfing is the thing, is the sport that takes like, what, 10,000 and one falls? 10,000 you know? 10, and one falls and 10,000 hours and, you know... $15,000 a year in gas. <laughs> so well, talk, talk a little bit about getting back here and how you were able to drop back into the scene. You've, you know, and uh, you know, names that, that I've heard you talk about in the past, um, Sam Langley, 
Tarzan with Wake Surf Orlando. Those are those are um, names that I've heard you talk about in the past. Um, talk about the guys that helped you get to where you are today. Um, the guys who are who, like your your kind of your support crew or whatever. Yeah. Um, so when I moved back to Orlando, um, I got a job at uh, Paradise Cove, which is a wedding venue over. Um, near uh, downtown Disney and uh, they do water sports on the side so they do weddings at night and water sports during the day they rent jet skis they do wakeboarding they do tubing they do all that jazz um, and so I got a job there and they did a chaparral shoot when chaparral came out with their wake surf like their Malibu they collabed and they came right. out with their surf, their gate, surf boat, their surf yeah, gate surf infused, gate. Uh, yeah, boat, right. And uh, and so they uh, I, somehow someone like asked me to go try it out or something like that. Um, and that's where I met Sam. Sam Langley also got the invite to come out and try out the wave, and and uh, we instantly clicked. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, whenever you know, whenever you want, you know, come over. We'll go ride." And so I called him, I was like, let's ride. And we became instant friends. And, you know, pretty much if you find uh, another person that does the same thing, that has the same passion, you know, it's super easy to get along with. It's super easy to go and do the things you want to do because they want to freaking do them. You know, you got to find that person's like rain or shine. I'm going to go shred and that's what I'm going to do today. Well, I want to I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about um, the scene overall because competitive wise, you've got the PWT, um, which I don't believe ranks into the CWSA. Correct? I don't. No, it's so, separate. But okay, it, so, it is a part of that association. They do use one of the events in the PWT for qualification for worlds. But it's a separate ranked sure. event. Okay, but so so what I'm getting at is there's this is what I find interesting. So you've got the WWA who runs the Wake Surf National Championships, okay, and those points have nothing to do with anything on the the rank, the world ranking system for CWSA. Um, you got the the PWT, and then you've got the Competitive Wake Surf Association, which puts on um, the Wake Surf World Championships as we know it. You are ranked. You're currently ranked Pro Wakeboard Tour champion, which means you had the highest points of the Pro Wakeboard Tour in 2019. It doesn't necessarily mean you won every stop. Not necessarily, no. It, it is all based on points for the overall victory. Um, as far as podiums, when you get first place, you get 100 points. So you want to get the most points. So basically you want to get first. Okay. What I want to, what I want to talk, what I want to kind of bring up and mention is like you're ranked number one in the world, which is huge because that means you, um, you average the best scores throughout all of the events. Yeah. But, so, but let me ask you this though, but, but the world champion yes. is a, is a different person. It's different. Yes. Um, but so I understand that, but one thing that I noticed in 2019 was the defending world champion for wake surfing like the pro men's wasn't a part of like he wasn't at worlds right like world john 20. yeah john ackerman right so 
I just like it's it's hard for me to understand like how all how it all works because right. like, I don't know if John wanted to be there if he didn't want to be there but to me it's just like it's just crazy because I know he wasn't he, injured he wanted to be there right um he just didn't meet the qualifications that the CWSA set forth in the rules which is you have to have four events that qualify you for worlds right and I think he only did two maybe or three but as like defend and, and so like well that's like the one thing and i think that's a great idea though don't get me wrong because it encourages but it people. didn't make sense it didn't make sense if you're defending your world championship you should be allowed to defend it don't matter what events you show up to or not you should be invited the automatic invited. automatically invited it's so, that that was not is, there, is that something that those because I'm not really too much like I, I have announced a couple of their events and I and I'm super impressed with all the competitive at like a hundred people that the beginners are doing three shoves. Yeah. Yeah. Call me. Call me. I, I wouldn't call them beginners, <laughs> yeah. but I'm impressed. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted. So I want to touch on the, the world champion thing because a lot of people you know, say that I'm a world champion, which I am, but in a different sport. And I want to give credit to those world champions in the, in the sport of wakeboarding. Yes. In wake surfing. Yes. John is a world champion. He won the contest at worlds. Right. Okay. So that makes him a world champion. He was the best on that day. Um, what makes it a ranked number one rider is that basically I won so many events that, with my consistency that I am ranked number one. So the difference there is I won so many events. John won one event, which was the right event to win. Right. Obviously everyone wants to win that event. It is prestigious. Don't get me wrong. So the difference is, is that consistency over one event, which is called worlds. If you win it, you are the world champion, but there is also a person that has won all the points. So that's the overall ranked right. number one. So there's two. It's a little confusing. And I I don't necessarily like when people call me the world champion because it's not my title. It's Cameron's at the moment. And he earned it. Cameron. Swanson. Cameron Swanson. So it's just, I just want to lay that out but there. I'm, but I, I can also guess that like on your list of what you want to do, that is I probably. Do. I would love to. I would love to win that event. I don't know if it's going to happen today this year, but <laughs> I would love to. This is this is this is going to be a, a, a tough year. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. In so what now? What about the, like the competition scene versus the free ride scene? Because going back to like wakeboarding, you 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 watch and over the years you have your Randall Harris's, mm -hmm. your Scott Byerly's, um, you know, uh, guys guys who may or may not have had any kind of luck in a tournament or maybe not any luck in a tournament for a long, long time, but they were able to, um, show the lifestyle well enough that they were taking care of. And I know there's a couple of lifestyle guys in wake surfing. A lot of times it seems like the lifestyle guys t tend to be people, um, that, that some of the boat manufacturers bring from other, um, other extreme sports and try to ride off of their social media mm -hmm. coattails and whatnot. Yep. Um, but, um, is there is there a free ride scene in wakes or uh, because the fact of the matter is is you, I know and and from this episode when people listen you are very contest focused right now and that's okay that, yeah there's not a problem there's with not that, a problem you know? with it it's just that's where the money is for us guys that are competitive like if you want to do this sport 
you have to be somewhat competitive or you have to have some type of accolade that trumps everyone else's you know if you don't have it then no one's gonna want to like sponsor you or anything it's it's based on what you have achieved over your life or in the sport and um and how many people you can influence because it's all about you know it's all about boat sales it's all about you know helping those companies help you so if you're not how, helping them then how do no you point. how do you and like other like quote unquote like of the competitive guys feel about dudes like say like like I would consider Brian Grubb to be more of like a lifestyle guy oh, yeah. or say like a Johnny Steeg uh-huh. um, is, is a lifestyle guy. Um, let me think who else, uh, even like a, like a Scott Byerly. I mean, these guys who are getting wake surfboards, Sean Watson is another, is another guy. I mean, you guys are obviously seeing that these guys are, are not only do they have wake surfboards, they have wake surfboards that, um, sell, yeah. um, Granted, you go to a wake surf contest and you're going to see 85% of the people competitive riding a phase five. Right. And I'm just stating what I see. Right. You see, I've got a calmly wake surf board sitting right there. <laughs> I just like to ride whatever. If it's right. under my feet, right. I'm cool yeah. with it. If it yeah. happens to be a phase five on that day, great. Right. Until somebody puts a big fat paycheck in. And, right. Right. You know, but, um, but, where where do you guys sit? Because there are some wakeboarders who are still getting royalties for wake surfing. But I could argue to say that I like the lifestyle that Sean Watson and Parks Bonifay and right. Brian Grubb portray when they're oh, wake surfing. Absolutely. Versus, um, don't get me wrong, I love watching the competitive yeah. stuff. But even announcing the, um, the, the pro tour stuff, I'm sitting there and I'm announcing and I go, man, in my head, I cannot... Um, there's no way that I could say that this isn't cool. There's right. no way that I could say that this isn't difficult. There's no way that right. I could say that this isn't competitive. But what I can say is this probably doesn't have room in my boat on a Sunday fun right, day. Right, Unless exactly. it's like you showing exactly. up and doing it. You yeah, know? but the but thing is, is like there is a switch that turns off, obviously. Like if it is a Sunday and I'm hanging out, I'm living that, I'm living that lifestyle. I'm living that dream. Like I'm going out to have fun. I don't really, you know, if I'm going out to practice, I'm going out to practice. If I'm going out for a beer and my friends, I'm doing that. It's separate. It's separate. And I can, I can balance that. But, you know, a lot of guys are not like that. A lot of guys are on a regimen and a lot of guys take this very seriously. And, and that's great. I mean, but there's, there's a time for, you know, seriousness and there's time for, for fun. And if you can balance those properly, then there's a lot less stress because competitiveness is very stressful. It is absolutely the most 100% stress of all time. Even if people say they're not nervous, I don't care. Like there's some type of nervousness, there's some type of stress um, going on in in a competitor's mind before they go on their run. It's it's inevitable. And um, yeah, I just, I don't know, man, that I would love to, to do the Austin Keen thing. I would love to do the Brian Grubb thing, but see those, those guys, Brian Grubb, dude, he's been around for a long time. He pioneered wake skating. He did so many things. He has the best sponsors that support him and he's able to do that where he can go on the coolest trips and do the coolest, um, videos and all that stuff. And heck yeah, dude, I would love to do that. 
but you know you have to have the right support and you're he, getting there he's a legend dude like he's a legend cool guy and he deserves that you know for sure yeah i want to ask you about ken block um ken block is you know obviously outside of the toad water sports industry still a part of the um extreme sports um world um you know uh if you watch the x games you you know who ken block is um tell the listeners a little bit about who ken block is how you know him what you did with him because you guys you guys recently or at some point over the last like year I saw some media of you doing some really, really, really uh, wild outside-the-box stuff. Yeah. Um, I met Ken uh, through Chris Trimner, which is – he's one of the judges on the PWT right now. Um, he's actually a chiropractor in, in real life. <laughs> but when he wants to have fun, he uh, judges the Pro Tour. Um, he's a really good friend of Ken's. Um, they uh, They met in Park City. And, uh, he introduced me to him. Uh, basically he kind of put my foot in the door and, and, uh, he was doing a trip to Lake Powell, uh, for Can-Am. So he, he is an ambassador of Can-Am, the side-by-sides. And he was thinking about something cool with his superboat and, um, and the Can-Am and he was, came up with the idea. So it's, it's. Ken, a Supra owner, a Supra sponsored athlete. He is he is an ambassador for Supra um, via uh, Marine Products. So Marine Products is a is a huge Supra dealer out in uh, Salt Lake, and so they partnered with Ken and gave him uh, gave him a SL five fifty, I believe, and uh, he wrapped it, and um, and so we brought it down to Lake Powell. He, they invited me on the trip and I was so stoked. It was my first time at Lake Powell and I was freaking out. And then he was like, and he was like, we want to do something that involves the Can-Am and the boat. And I was like, oh dude, easy. We need to do a whipping. Like we need to tie rope to the back of that thing. You need to drive it fast. And I need to like slide out to the wave. It would be sick. And he was like, yeah, sounds good. We didn't really have a plan, but we made it happen. And, um, we did it like just like before sunset at Lake Powell, it's just like paradise on earth. And, uh, we got the shot. It was, uh, it was on his YouTube and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, that was a big, that was a big moment. And, uh, for wake surfing and, uh, especially for myself, uh, Ken is a really cool dude. He is a family man. Um, his, his wife is actually from Ocala. Yep, she actually yeah. used to live on the lake across yeah. from here. Yeah, and she's really good friends with Chris Bish. And uh, so um, I think meeting him was, was a, a blessing in disguise. And uh, we we uh, we communicate and uh, we, we hang out. We play cornhole. He's a really good cornhole player. Like if you play him ever, if you get a chance to play him, he'll probably beat you, but uh, <laughs> you can try. <laughs> Um, but yeah, him and his wife are the coolest. Uh, their kids are awesome. And, um, yeah, I'm really stoked to be a part of their lives and, and for them to be a part of mine. So any, any other like notable, um, people that you've been able to connect with, um, Um, through, through, through the sport, through wake surfing, 
Uh, I can't think off the top of my head, but I know flowboarding. I met Tony Hawk. He's awesome. I hung out with him for three or four days in Canada, and he is uh, he's a legend, dude. That guy is, is awesome, man. Um, only good things to say about that man, uh, especially with how famous he is. It's incredible uh, to see live how many people love that guy man it's insane yep i mean he's like like when i say there was like we we were doing some shows on the flow rider it was a mobile flow rider at this um this fair and he showed up and no one knew he was there and then like someone found out someone told someone else and like next thing i know like i look into the crowd and there was like twenty thousand people for our little 30 second flow rider show <laughs> and i was like dude what the heck is going on all these people wanted his autograph but he's like he didn't get paid for that he was just paid to come and show up but he's like stand up dude like start signing stuff it's like dude people like swarm him. it was the most crazy thing i've ever experienced in my life i think Very seeing cool. that many people like try to get someone's autograph it was crazy insane man it's like uh like michael jordan oh dude you know it was unreal uh sean so as we come down here to the end i've got uh two more questions for you and i've known you since you were roughly 13 years old i've known you close to 20 years you know um you were a kid hanging around the pro shop um you turned into a sales kid (laughs) Uh, you, you, you're, you're an amateur, you were a professional, um, champion of the world. You're ranked number one in a whole nother sport now. Um, I've seen it, your attitude, your ego, um, your mentality. I mean, you're, you're, I I still see the signs of the kid I knew back in the day. And sometimes I see you pop into it or whatever, (laughs) but how do you believe, um, you've changed through your experiences uh, becoming this five-time national, six-time world champion in flowboarding and transitioning and seeing close to the same results in another sport. Um, I, I think, I think uh, when I was younger, it was, it was a little bit of a hard head, and and yeah, it was. I was a little bit full of myself, but you know, people people change and experience experiences change people. And I think I've experienced so many great things that it's opened up my eyes to the world, how other people live, how other people work. Um, and that made me realize that I have had so many great opportunities that I need to step back a second and, and realize that my life is not that hard, not as hard as other people's. And, um, you just really need to think about how other people live. And it's the blessings that I've had along the way in my journey have been unreal. And I thank everyone that's helped me out. And I think that's really made me realize that I need to be more giving and and more appreciative of people that step in out of their way to let me stay at their house or let me come on their boat 
or, you know, pay me for a lesson or whatever, whatever it is, you know, I try to give back as much as I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's, those experiences are what really changed the way I look at how I act. Final question for you, dude. Overall, um, toad water sports and, and, and wake surfing, where is the future of, of our sport headed, man? What's going to happen? Where do you foresee this all going? Water skiing, wakeboarding and wake surfing in general. I, uh, I think that I think wake surfing is on the up, man. I think, you know, 70% of people that go buy a boat, they're going to buy a boat for wake surfing. It's just, that's the thing. Like people walk in and they're like, what boat has the best surf wave? Um, and I think that that is going to help push this sport to another level. I think we need to have a governing, a governing body that has a good support, like good support of that governing body so that it can push the sport. And once that happens, it's, I mean, I mean, it could be, I think it could be in the X games or the Olympics or whatever it is. I mean, curling is in the Olympics. Why can't wake surfing be in the Olympics? I mean, it's way cooler to watch. I think, I mean, definitely more fun to do. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how curling people feel, but I think wake surfing is pretty sweet. I think it's, a good way to get your family involved and, and hang out with each other and, you know, not fight about things. You know, you're out there, you're not thinking about anything else, but having a good time. And that's what people want to experience. Like when you can experience that, then you don't have to worry about all the stresses in your life. You're just worrying about having a good time with who you're with. You're in the moment. That's it, man. Well said. Well said. Let's finish off uh, with this. Do you have any upcoming projects? Are there wake surf movies? Anything like that out there? There's not a movie, but I uh, over quarantine, I did, I did do something with my roommate, and uh, I recently took that said project out to the lake, and I, I, um, I did some film and some photos, and I think that, you know. People are going to be super, um, super stoked to see what I got brewing up. When will, uh, when can we watch for that to be released? Um, I, I haven't yet landed it yet, so I, I got to get it on drone. Once I do that, then it's, it's on probably, probably middle of, uh, maybe first week of July, maybe middle of July. I mean, I know it's, it's 2020. I got to go out of town, so I can't really... Hey, I know it's 2020, but like, and I know it's all about like quick clips here and there, but come on, a full, full length. Is that something that is, I don't think a full length me. I, I I don't know. It would have to have the right guys in it. I mean, but maybe like maybe some parts, but I think it, you know, parts in a movie, like a skate movie, it's all about like, you think that's all in the past? I think it, I mean, yeah, I think it is. I think. I think a lot of people now their engagement is for ten to forty seconds, and that's it. Like, don't you miss those days? Like, though? oh, sitting down and watching a surf movie or a skate movie or a wakeboard movie. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the thing. Like, I would you know go surfing the night. Like, I would be going surfing, you know, the day, the day before, 
all the boys would sit down on the couch. We would get stoked. And how we got stoked was we would watch the most recently filmed surf film. And we would just be like, oh, dude, I'm going to I'm gonna do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow on the ocean. <laughs> and you and would. get so pumped. <laughs> and you would. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude, this is the uh, 3S part sponsors shout outs and social media we're gonna we're gonna change it to four s's because after we're done with that we're gonna go out there and shred the glass <laughs> of lake sawyer by shred we're gonna go ride have you ever rode a disc no you're gonna ride one today <laughs> uh drop your sponsors shout out social media your thank yous whatever you want brother yeah i mean I'd like to thank Superboats, um, X Insurance. They just, you know, they just put a great deal of money behind me and bought me my SA550. So um, I really uh, give a lot of thanks to those guys. Um, Tarzan, obviously, Wake Surf Orlando, um, just gave me all my training and up till now. And uh, um, Lake Wake Life, uh, they just came out with a sick new rope. Um, we're gonna change the entire game of, um, handles. Uh, they came out with a safe T bar handle that's soft. Um, and it's got a little bit of a bungee cord in it inside of the nylon rope and it goes directly back to the back of the locker when you let it go. And, uh, it doesn't hurt your gel coat. doesn't hurt your face. And, um, that's, uh, just got released, um, on the internet too. If you go to lakewakelife.com, Shop the joystick, and then um, who else? Phase five, obviously, dude. They just gave me a pro model, and uh, it's flying off the shelves. And I'm stoked how it came out, the colors and everything. Um, Where the, where's your board available at? Uh, available all across America in uh, their dealers, and then you can actually go directly to phase five dot com and purchase now. So, are you working with any dealers at all? Um, my board, yeah, it's Marine Products, uh, marine-products.com. You can buy it there. Uh, I'm pretty sure they only have one left. And then... So uh, get on it, people. And then, yeah, and then Tommy's, you can buy it from Tommy's too as well. And uh, I think they only have one left. So um, I'm super pumped on how that's going. And uh, I'm really trying to push that board. It's an amazing board. Phase 5 makes an amazing product. It's... It's unreal, and I couldn't ask for anything better. And uh, obviously, my mom and dad, you know, wouldn't be here without them, uh, obviously. Um, and, dude, Dano, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, dude. I'm sorry it took so long to get here. No, nah, dude, it's I've all good. I've just been, like, doing so many things. And, That's podcast, but, yeah. baby. I just want to thank all my friends, man. All my friends have been so cool. They've been helping me and... You know, without the without the squad, you can't really maneuver through life, dude. The squad really lifts you up when you're down, and and uh, I'm thankful for the squad. Very good. All right, hey, um, Instagram, Facebook, do you do any of that stuff? Social media, are you on Tinder or uh, Snapchat? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> um, not on Tinder anymore. Too old for that. But uh, I got uh, um, I got Instagram. It's at Sean Silvera. I've got TikTok at Sean Silvera eighty nine, and um, I have Facebook. It's uh, Sean Silvera with a space. But um, yeah, that's my social medias, man. They're uh, they're going off, so go follow, please. Very good. Uh, watch my TikToks, dude. They're lit. Nice. I love it. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Sean, thanks again for uh, coming by. I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked. Now we do the the fourth S, right? Yes. Now we're gonna, shredding. Yeah, now, now we're gonna go shred the lakes. We so. work. Now we shred. That's yes. the life. Living the dream. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, guys, hang tight. Uh, I'll be right back. We're gonna pay some bills. A little bit more coming up right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh yeah. And just like that, we're at my favorite part of every episode, the ad for SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck is the industry leader in innovative flooring solutions, supplying the best boat builders in the world with comfortable, durable, non-skid flooring systems. And it's not just for new boats either. Any boat, no matter what make or model, deserves SeaDeck. Head on over to SeaDeck.com and use the search function to find the nearest fabricator and installer to you. They literally have installers all over the world and they will gladly come to your house, clubhouse, boat storage unit, wherever you could possibly need SeaDeck. They'll digitally measure, design, and install it at your convenience. Just visit SeaDeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com to learn more. It's time to give your boat what it deserves, and your boat deserves SeaDeck. Midcoast Customs is a professional vinyl wrap shop specializing in commercial vehicle wraps, custom graphics, wall wraps, boat wraps, and so much more. They're based out of Rockford, Illinois, and as a 3M preferred installer, they've been leading the way in vinyl wrap installation for years. I personally can't thank them enough for all the work they've done for the Golden Mike podcast, Feed on Fire, and of course, Twin Lakes Corn Fest. If you guys have been to any of my events, then you already know what they can do. They have an amazing intention for detail and their work is always quality. Whether you have one car or a fleet of 100 vehicles to wrap, Jarrell and his team have you covered, literally. To see more of their work and capabilities, check them out at midcoastcustoms.com. That's M-I-D-C-O-A-S-T hyphen customs.com. Hit them up for a quote today. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Hey guys, some things were said in that interview with Sean that I feel I need to address. For all the Olympic level curlers that listen to my podcast and were offended by what you just heard, I just want to reiterate that the views of Sean Silveira do not reflect those of the Golden Mike podcast and myself. It takes quite a bit of skill to push that stone down the ice for your country. And if any Olympic curlers are interested, I'd love to have you right here on the podcast and hear your side of the story. And while we're at it, maybe take you for a quick shred behind the classic ski boat. What do you say? Go USA, baby. Well, all jokes aside, I do want to thank Sean for stopping by and hanging out. We had an awesome chat. We had an awesome time on the water, ripping behind the boat, and Sean getting a few pulls on my famous disco, even throwing down some tricks I don't think I've ever seen. I've got some clips of that I will probably post. And speaking of discs, I recently competed in an online disc competition. I'm not quite sure how I did. I know I didn't win, but it was fun. The video I submitted was epic. It was groundbreaking in the world of disc riding, if I say so myself, and I do. And you guys can watch the full video submission on my Instagram page at Dano T. Mano and judge for yourself. It's called CD Romsky. 
It's on my IGTV there, so you guys should uh, scope it out. And I will repost it on the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. And uh, it's already posted up on my personal Facebook page. So I know a lot of you guys already saw this on social media, but for those who haven't, I figured I'd address it here after much deliberation. We have decided it was best for everyone for us to postpone Twin Lakes Corn Fest 2020 indefinitely. And I say indefinitely because we honestly don't know when we'll be back. I want to say 2021, but who knows where things will be in a year from now. I can promise that when things do get back to normal, that we will be back with an event that will rival even our past seasons. In the meantime, we will be holding an athletes-only digital event for all the riders that were set to compete at this year's TL Cornfest. We're calling that the Hat Trick 3 Trick Line Digital Contest. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Twin Lakes Cornfest, on Instagram at TL Cornfest, and our website, tlcornfest.com, to learn more because we also have just launched the Lake Lovers digital event as well. And that is for everybody, including you, all of the listeners right here on the Golden Mike podcast. So check that out. Submit your photos and your videos to the TL Cornfest Lake Lovers digital event. One last thing to check out, if you can't get enough of T-Mano, I'm talking about myself, recently Nautique Boats have announced the launch of their all-new G23 and G25s, and I was able to get a total VIP tour with the legendary House of Style himself, Sean Murray, who gave me the rundown on the entire boat and comparisons to the very similar but ever so much more tricked out Paragon. It's on Nautique's website. YouTube and social media. So let me know what you guys think once you check it out. All right, an enormous thank you to Sean Silveira for joining us on the podcast today, as well as all of the sponsors for their continued support. Thanks to SeaDeck Marine Products, WSIA Roswell Marine, Active Water Sports, Masterline, Centurion Boats, O'Brien, Lead Wake, Slingshot, Conley, Radar, Skis, Boulder Boats, Ronix, Hyperlight, GoPuck, and Midcoast Customs. Behind the scenes, a special thanks to Jane Levy in the office, Arthur Shabashavich on copy, and Rich Walsh on sound. That's it. That's all for me, folks. Just a reminder to follow the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook and me, Dano T. Mano, on Instagram. Message me there or at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Again, I want to thank you all for listening, tuning in as always. I am the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time right here on the Golden Mike Podcast.